Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Julius Bear's Moving Markets podcast. It's Tuesday, the 3rd of October, and my name is Helen Freer. On today's show, I'll be talking about the latest market news with John T. Warris, and I'm also joined this morning by Manuel Villegas, and I'll be asking him for the latest on digital assets. But let's start with the market news. Good morning, John T. Good morning, Helen. Now, we saw a string of manufacturing PMI data out of Europe and the US yesterday. Uh, Let's perhaps start with that. Yes, that's right. Eurozone manufacturing activity remained stuck in what was rather a deep and quite broad-based downturn last month, according to data that we saw yesterday, which showed that demand continued to shrink at a pace rarely surpassed since the data was first collected in 1997. HCOB's final Eurozone manufacturing PMI data dropped to a reading of 43.4 in September, which is marginally down from August 43.5, and largely in line with estimates. Um, As a reminder, a reading here below 50 marks a contraction in activity. That said, in the US, the S&P Global US manufacturing PMI was revised slightly higher to 49.8 in September, surpassing the preliminary estimate of 48.9 and exceeding August's final reading. So some slightly more encouraging news there. Uh, The latest figure pointed to a fifth consecutive month of contraction in the sector's health, but really only fractionally when you look at the figures. Okay, so generally nothing to shout about then, really. Um, I also saw that European unemployment fell slightly. Can you fill us in on the details here? Yes, we saw European unemployment data, which shows that unemployment rates continue to fall across Europe. For the European Union as a whole, the unemployment rate stood at 5.9% in August, which was the same as in May and in June. Um, The jobless rate in the Eurozone fell by one-tenth from July to August, sitting at 6.4. And this is the lowest figure uh, ever for the currency union. Right. Um, Let's talk about US market action yesterday now then. Sure. Well, after Congress passed compromise legislation to keep the government running in a last-minute deal at the weekend, U.S. stocks posted a rather mixed uh, performance yesterday in trading. After the S&P 500 and the Nasdaq posted their worst monthly returns of the year last week amid concerns over the political situation and the higher for longer interest rates scenario, uh, I'm afraid markets also struggled yesterday too, with the S&P 500 index little changed, uh, propelled mainly by telecom and tech stocks. That said, uh, cryptocurrency exposed stocks saw a rally as Bitcoin hit a six-week high following a pickup in inflows at the start of October. Elsewhere, the US dollar index was up 0.7% after a 3% rally in Q2. Gold finished down 1%, which is its lowest close since early March. Uh, And Bitcoin futures were up 3.4%. Okay, so equities don't seem to have had um, a much better run than uh, really yesterday. What about fixed income markets? Well, the sell-off in global bonds has gathered momentum as the US shutdown reprieve prompted traders to raise bets on a November rate hike from the Fed. They now see a roughly one in three chance of a November move, up from the 25% likelihood priced in on Friday. And yesterday, US Treasuries were weaker. We saw particularly strong sell-off in Treasuries in the belly of the curve as traders digested messaging that the Fed needs to leave borrowing rates Uh, high to rein in inflation. Yields on the 5 to 30-year treasuries rose 10 basis points on the day. Uh, The rate on the 10-year benchmark hit the highest since 2007, reaching 4.7%, while the 30-year topped 4.81, its highest level since 2010. 
Okay, moving over to Asia Pacific now. I see that the Reserve Bank of Australia announced its latest interest rate decision earlier this morning. What can you tell us there? Yes, that's right, Helen. Uh, Australia's central bank held interest rates steady today at 4.1% for a fourth month and showed no urgency to hike again, although it did repeat a warning that further tightening might be needed to rein in inflation uh, in what it calls a reasonable time frame. The Aussie dollar dropped against the US dollar as a result, and this comes um, indeed after the dollar is already showing quite some strength against many of its peers for a second day. Uh, The RBA October policy meeting was the first to be chaired by Governor Michelle Bullock, who said that the recent data were consistent with inflation returning to its 2 to 3% target over time, with both output and employment still growing. Uh, Elsewhere in Asia, equities are trading generally lower this morning. Uh, The ASX has lost 1.3% following the uh, rate hold there. Uh, The Nikkei is down around 1.7% and the Hang Seng is trading sharply lower, down by over 3%. Uh, The Kospi is closed today for a public holiday and the Shanghai Composite also remains closed today for Golden Week. And what can we expect for the day ahead, Jonty? Well, Swiss CPI is due out this morning, where expectations are for inflation to have climbed to 1.8% year-on-year versus the previous figure of 1.6%. And Turkish CPI figures will also be released this morning. Elsewhere, Spain will release unemployment data for September, and we can also expect the US JOLTS uh, report later today, which should give us some further insights into the state of the US economy, which has proven remarkably resilient in many of the recent data prints out of the US. A quick look at the futures board currently shows the US set for a rather negative open later today with the screens showing a sea of red. And that's everything from me for today, Helen. Very good. Thank you very much, John T, for the roundup this morning. Thanks a lot for having me. Now let's move on to you, Manuel. Good morning. Good morning, Helen. So we've seen an increase in the prices of Bitcoin and Ethereum. Can you shed some light on this for us? Why do you think this is? Absolutely. So we've seen crypto market sentiment continuously improving as we've evidenced with the increased interest institutions have been displaying with the ETF filings. And with that, the prices have followed suit, as you rightly said. Actually, Bitcoin reached its highest level since the beginning of August before slightly retracing. So crypto markets seem increasingly tied to ETFs, despite this representing a minimal tranche of the market share in Europe, where the products have existed for years already. It is true, however, that a potential approval of spot ETFs can trigger a supply squeeze, as the asset managers must hold on to the tokens But it is also true that futures-based ETFs should have minimal impact on a token supply. And as of yesterday, 2nd of October, a cohort of Ethereum futures-based ETFs started trading. Despite taking around two years to approve the Ether counterpart to the Bitcoin futures ETFs, the approval marked the tipping point. The Securities Exchange Commission approved most products with similar qualities at the same time to avoid engaging in the past kingmaker role they had with pro shares. Okay, and what are the implications, do you think, of the approval of Ethereum futures-based ETFs? So the NMAS approval we had yesterday means that nine ETFs containing Ethereum futures started trading. It's noteworthy that four of these nine products are Bitcoin and Ethereum-weighted strategies, both replicated on the futures contracts. 
a few words is looming as the low levels of differentiation across products will likely trigger the asset manager's reduction of expense ratios with the expectations of capturing market share. As of today, fees for the approved products range between 65 and 115 bips. And as one can expect, trading volumes were highest for the cheaper products. Interest has been elevated, even though investors would likely be far more interested in physically backed products for Ethereum, which might come across in the middle of 2024. Physically backed Ether ETFs could provide investors with staking access, something the futures-based ones cannot. And over the next few weeks then, what can investors expect in general? Not forgetting about the grayscale case, the SEC still has a deadline on October 13th to come across with a response. And the added approval pressure from the U.S. House of Financial Services will weigh in. That said, regulation will continue being a source of uncertainty as macroeconomic headwinds are more likely to fade than intensify, despite renewed fears of U.S. interest rate increases. We consider that the end of the U.S. Federal Reserve current tightening cycle is around the corner, which is at least limiting crypto's downside from current levels. That's all from my side, Helen. Great. Thanks very much, Manuel. Good to hear your latest thoughts. Thank you. And that is all for today. Thank you again to my guest this morning and thank you all for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe and please also leave us a review on whichever platform you like to listen on. We would love to hear your feedback. And do join us again tomorrow when Bernadette will be your host and she'll be speaking to more of our colleagues about what is moving markets. Have a great day, everyone, and bye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Für unsere deutschsprachigen Zuhörer. We would also like to make you aware of Marktanalysen und Gespräche, a monthly podcast in German, where Julius Bear experts discuss some of the latest market developments. We share our key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape in German. Search for Marktanalysen und Gespräche on your favorite podcast player.